0: This is Open Mic Life. Let's go! <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode. We have a very special guest coming. <laughs> Welcome back to this week's episode of Open Mic Life. Today, you'll be hearing the second part of the interview with Martin Johnson on journalism and media, where we'll be diving into navigating through media today, what is our due diligence as media consumers, and what we can expect in media and journalism in terms of technology, and how will AI change the industry. We also have a very special edition today of Hike on the Mic, where I give you a true glimpse into real life with a surprise guest, And a very special announcement. Before we get into it, thank you all for your support. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a lovely five star review. All right, now without further ado,
1: Hike on the mic.
0: Hi, Hike.
2: Hey, hey, what's up?
0: Everything's good. You might notice that I don't have my headset on. Did you notice? Yeah. Well, that's because yeah. we have a quick surprise guest coming. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know, Where? want to know who? Here. Yeah. It's who? Uh, my fiance.
2: Oh, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> guys. Oh, wow, guys. <laughs> I applaud to that.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Nice.
2: When did it happen?
0: Last Sunday, but we haven't talked since and that's why I wanted to talk to you, but I also wanted to talk to you when he's here. So that's why I was yeah. been postponing. Wow. Guys, yeah. I'm
2: so this is so this is so cool. I'm really happy for you.
0: All right, guys. This was a surprise that uh we wanted to share and it was really a real moment, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You no, know, that because I was already telling you like why haven't you put on your headphones? Yeah. You know, the sound quality, you'll be hearing my voice when you're recording and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. Thanks for making me uh, this this object of of uh, <laughs> you know, hidden camera. Um you know, you had these shows with a hidden camera yeah, where they were yeah. basically checking out the response of people. But yeah, I'm I'm really surprised I'm not surprised. I saw it coming like yeah. I expected it to happen i just didn't expect it to happen so fast um and so quickly right after your brother's
1: yeah, uh, that's, engagement
0: That's why it was a surprise but yeah i'm very very happy and it was very cool to share the moment in this way and i really wanted both of us to be there
2: <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm 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 really excited so so we have uh, we have a very special twist uh, this time right with with martin johnson
0: Exactly. Because now we're starting uh, the second part of the interview. As you know, it was a longer interview and the content was so great that I really wanted to make it a two-part episode so that our Mm -hmm. listeners can really enjoy the full conversation that we had. And Mm -hmm. what did you think of the first part?
2: Really enjoyed it. It's really nice to listen to him speak. It's also good to kind of see how you guys are having more and more of a conversation and this is perhaps a learning curve for you uh stoyana because i've noticed that you went from uh i guess from the first episode to this one you actually went from a really more process oriented question answer uh conversation to a more uh, you even drop more suggestive questions in this uh, uh in this one um what I am kind of scratching my head about is where the fuck is my question? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you you left my note on the Gestapo in, in 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 our prologue, but I I didn't hear my question.
0: No, thank you for saying Gestapo one more time. That was great. <laughs> <But> <laughs> your question is coming in this part, because mm-hmm. in fact, in this part of the interview, we're talking about how to navigate through media today, how mm-hmm. we ourselves as media consumers are supposed to do our due diligence in order to remain properly informed. Yep. And along of these lines, I'm asking him about their due diligence in terms of cover coverage, which mm-hmm. is where your question comes in. And I think you will be very intrigued by his answer.
2: Yeah. Actually, I was curious about that, because, yeah, the question is quite, you know, it's its controversial, it's really forward uh, coming with uh, a lot of people that would actually, um, you know, you have these examples of Fox News that kind of um, bring forward all kinds of conspiracy theories, etc. Um, but, you know, conspiracy theories are in a way also a fear of society. They are also a um how do you say a response to things that they people believe uh, are um misaligned and and that someone is actually as they say conspiring um about it and the beauty of conspiracy theories for me is that they are theories until we get to find out who actually conspired with who like, for, for example, the whole Epstein list that, list that is, for example, now in the news, right? The whole Epstein scandal. Um, I mean, yeah, these things are still, you know, when they get to de- be debunked or they get to be confirmed, yeah. um, are just the beauty of, of life and um, of, you know, movies that they release or documentaries that they release after that. And a lot of content and money and everything that is produced after that. So yeah. yeah, that's why I ask it, and I mentioned Gestapo because I'm watching this. This <laughs> I watched this movie. <laughs> uh, it's actually a beautiful one. I would recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's called "All the Lights We Cannot See," mm-hmm. and it's about like uh, Nazi Germany. Actually, it's about France that gets occupied by Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, highly recommended.
0: Nice, yeah, and as you said, they cover. Um stories from one perspective, each media covers it from their perspective. And my question is we can criticize media outlets, um, websites, etc., for covering certain things or not covering certain things, but we as consumers also have a responsibility to inform ourselves. Yeah. That's why uh, I really want to talk to him and find the balance. As we have mentioned in the previous part, he's also head of digital products, which is why in this part, we talk about a topic that I know is very interesting to you too, uh, and that is technology and how new technology is going to change media and journalism, especially AI. So what can we expect to change? Is it going to take over this industry? How can we make sure to remain intact with uh, the values of the industry? So I think you will really enjoy this part too.
2: Yeah, I'm really curious about that actually, AI is indeed something that is really at the forefront now in in, in tech in the tech space. Obviously, it's it's basically a whole technology paradigm. I wouldn't even say it's a technology, it's a technology paradigm as is, for example, the Internet or is the radio, right? It's, it's a whole new shift of uh, what it can do and it's applicable to a lot of technologies. Um, So, yeah, I'm really curious to to hear about uh, uh, his view on AI specifically and what it would do on, you know, content uh, creation, content moderation. Um, And perhaps it aligns also to some extent with with my question to what extent AI might even influence. But, hey, I I haven't heard the second part, um, so I'm all ears. Yeah.
0: Well, great. Then let's go. Hello again. Hello. How is it going? All good?
1: Yes, yeah, all good.
0: Okay, very, very nice. So now we're moving... On to our next section of um, questions. And as we are already deep into the topic of media, Mm -hmm. I would like to ask you for advice for myself and our listeners. And what I want to know is, how can we navigate through today's media? There is so much out there. There is so many media outlets, uh, platforms. There is such an over-offering of where you can get media so how do you navigate through that today
1: it's um, it's a good question obviously i'm i'm in a slightly different situation to most in that i i have to professionally consume a lot of media so i get a balanced diet in that regard and i appreciate that it's it's a time-consuming thing to to try to make sure that you are up to date and that you're not getting biased information mm-hmm. i would say well usually actually I, I I go out and talk to secondary schools quite frequently here in, in Luxembourg and it's a common question that I get from them and the only advice I can really give is to to have a varied diet you know so try to read um, important stories in particular on more than one platform so even if someone like the BBC for example is uh, or RTl for that matter we're, we're a neutral neutral news platform there may be elements of the truth that you don't get uh, through that reporting or or interesting analyses that you wouldn't get from from those sort of sources so then you know read read something on the left the guardian or whatever and and then equally every once in a while dip your toes into something on the opposite end of the spectrum like uh, even if it's you know fox news which was ridiculed for many years not everything they do is by any means bad they do a lot of solid reporting as well and they do have interesting opinions and takes and even if you don't agree with 100% of it, you may agree with 5% or you may learn something. And equally, if you are someone on, on, on more that side of the spectrum who's already consuming uh, news more to the right, then then head on over to the left and, and take a five-minute dip in there. Um, I personally am, am more in the middle, so I try to read just everything in, in equal meshes. takes a lot of time, but if you actually want to, to understand the world as well as you can, that's the only thing you can do.
0: It's true. And... It's also something that you have to do do for yourself in order to be properly informed. Because if no. you're only listening to something that only confirms your views, I mean, sure, that's a nice pat on the back of your opinions, but it's not yeah. really uh, a complete view.
1: No, it doesn't help. And I think that brings us back to what I mentioned earlier in, in that people are very unwilling to... To have their their viewpoints disconfirmed or, or argued with and, and that's, that's unfortunate yeah exactly yeah.
0: i'm not sure if i mentioned to you earlier but i have a co-host on this podcast who has a segment before that yeah. and with him what is very important to him and what we have discussed even long before the podcast is how certain topics get more media coverage than others So for instance, you know, if it's a conflict that's going on in one side of uh, the world simultaneously as another, why does one get so much more media coverage than another? And how do you understand as a media consumer, if this is being properly covered, if it's being too covered, is it hiding something else? So do you have any advice on how to understand these trends and why it's happening?
1: I, it's that that is a very difficult question um, to answer satisfactorily. I think the the human nature human nature is is what underpins a lot of it. So it's very easy for people to say, you know, you you don't write enough about this and that conflict in in far flung Africa or wherever it may be. Uh, there's atrocities happening over there. Why why aren't you covering it? And it's well, okay, yeah, we're we're not covering that in as much depth, but. Frankly, no one would read it. So often we have articles about uh, smaller conflicts or ones further removed from us. And uh, the readership on that is absolutely through the floor. There's there's no interest. So we can cover it as much as we want. And then equally, if we say, well, it is important, people should read it. So we, we then decide, OK, we're going to put that in number one in headlines. We're going to have uh, summary overview articles. We're going to have a live ticker or live blog. We're going to have this and that. We're going to have the top four stories tomorrow. We'll all be about Sudan for example mm-hmm. even if we do everything we can we push it we have it on social media it won't be read because people don't feel the impact and what people are interested in uh, whether you know that that is obviously unfortunate but it is the new stories that have an impact on them personally because at the end of the day I think we're all quite selfish um so what we want to read about is you know Ukraine that's obviously an absolutely atrocious story overall and there was a great deal of interest in that it's waning now um but people could feel the impact of it they could see it they could they could experience it even in their day-to-day lives so of course there's there's interest in it and, and there's more coverage and it's it's closer to home people write about and, and read about what's closer to home and the same now with um with Israel and and, and Hamas and, and the Gaza uh, conflict it's it's something that for, for better or for worse people feel more connected to and um People feel it. So 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 they read about it. And so journalists cover it. Now we are a very, very small operation. We don't have international journalists who fly across the world or report for us directly, generally mm-hmm. speaking. We we use news agencies, but those agencies also divert their resources in directions that will generate interest.
0: Yeah. And exactly where is this line between um, indeed covering what you know people want to read and what they're interested in and of that of bringing attention to issues that people should be concerned about.
1: We have to do both. And I think for us as a very small, internationally speaking, a very, very small news organization, RTL Luxembourg, our primary responsibility is to, to put attention on, on stories that are unfolding in luxembourg and, and the region mm-hmm. and that has to include stories that we know will be of interest as well as stories that are important but that are more difficult to so to speak sell to the audience we still have to try and we still have to do that journalistic work yeah. um so so for us uh, yeah you have to do both locally internationally it's 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 more difficult because we don't have have the resources but obviously we we do have a responsibility to still have some coverage some stories good summaries good overviews of of big international stories even if they happen to be ones that we don't think will be interesting to as big a part of our audience as others that's also because we are in part uh, we have a public um, service Mm -hmm. a public broadcast agreement so we have to we we, we contractually have to cover that sort of story as well so so obviously that's something we do
0: Mm -hmm. and again uh, you touched upon as you said public service do you remember the first time when you heard the term "fake news" and what did you think about it then?
1: <laughs> uh, well, the first time that I can remember would be when 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 the great ginger man of America <laughs> went out and and espoused it everywhere. Um, it's funny. I find it often. I mean, when he does it, at least it's it's often humorous. Um, I, I understand the underlying point, especially in, in, a, in a media landscape like in America, where you have such extreme um, opinions on the left and on the right, and such a clear division between how and what is reported on which news channels and what news sources. It It is borderline fake in, in some instances, but uh, he's obviously taken it too far. And, and then it's spread like wildfire, and people will call anything fake if they don't agree with it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In an interview in 2017, you said that the core interest for you, besides creating a captivating story, is the authenticity of the interviewee and the interviewer. In your position today, how does that translate to your work now?
1: Frankly, I mean, as I said, I, I don't do much reporting anymore. So it, it doesn't have that sort of impact. It's, it's more than if I'm directing or asking other people to to conduct interviews, that, that's something they keep in mind. And it is part of the sort of guidelines that I've drawn up for people that mm-hmm. that's part of how we should approach a story.
0: And do you see it currently that people are still, that journalists, they work for you, that this is something that is important to them as well?
1: I think within within the RTL Today team, which is what I can speak to, mm-hmm. um, yes, I would very much say so. And I think we, we're actually improving in that regard at the moment as well. We've had some stories by by Mae Ryan recently, for example, who's quite new with us, and she uh, she is she's very good at at, at uh, approaching stories in that regard. So if you look at "50 Years an Expat" was one story we had recently, which I think epitomizes that approach.
0: Definitely, I'm going to also link it then to the podcast so more people can see it.
1: It's a very good article, so yeah, do that.
0: it. So now we're moving towards the last part of questions I have for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's about um, some core questions that I always ask and also what you see coming to the industry, what you see coming for you. So in this podcast, the goal is to give people the mentors that they need, but they don't necessarily have access to you, but to them and to you. So since I know you, and especially with our first interaction, not podcast related, yeah. Um, and you being one of the first guests on my podcast, I can certainly tell that being supportive uh, and giving platform to people is something that you're enjoying and probably in terms of mentorship. Is this something that you see in your position? Is this something that you're interested in, in being a mentor? And have you yourself had mentors throughout your career?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think it's it's at the very core of, of of what I do, especially then in the in the first half of my title as as team lead for for RTL today. Um, mentorship is is extremely important in in that, and and actually helping people develop and and gain the confidence to to write an opinion article or to approach a news story or to even make, you know, basic editorial decisions and and knowing how to approach it so that you feel confident in, in your work. That, that's, uh, that's the most important thing I do. Um, and I've certainly had mentors as well. I think I keep kissing up to my boss uh, whenever <laughs> I speak to anyone, but it, it's true. I have, I, I'm in the very fortunate position of having a boss who I get along with splendidly and who has always uh, given me the opportunity to try new things and, and grow in my role and uh, in the company um, and mm-hmm. always provided guidance and, uh, and everything so yes I've been very lucky in that regard.
0: It sounds wonderful and it's good when people have the eyes to see that they have had a good mentor.
1: Yeah yeah. For sure, no, and, and and I've told her repeatedly, <laughs> which I think is also important. And 100%. I think ha- having a strong mentor also makes you more likely to become one. So I think it's mm. it's a sort of virtuous uh, circle. That
0: Definitely, definitely. And it is important that if we don't have it necessarily in our life that we seek it out because it's a yeah. great thing to have a mentor.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something we actually, um, I should mention as well that at RTL today, one of the things that, I and uh, Alana, who, who also works for the Today team that we've been working on for, for a couple of years now, is the Young Voices section of RTL Today, mm. which is why, as I mentioned earlier, I've been out to a lot of secondary schools, is that we try to go out, we tell them or we ask, answer their questions about journalism and, and media, and uh, and we encourage them to, to get involved. So we have this email address, youngvoices at rtl.lu, where they can send in uh, ideas of full articles, or um, if they want to do uh, photo reporting, or if they want oh. to do videos, and we will we will take the time to actually look through their idea or their 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 piece and give them feedback and help them develop it and explain why certain areas might need improvement or highlight ones that are really good, um, and then publish it. So we're trying to we're going to increase our efforts with that now in the in the coming year as well to really go out to all of the uh, the schools whether they are. Uh, the international schools or, or Luxembourgish ones, where obviously they have English classes, mm-hmm. and, and just try to get as many people as possible to share their views, young people, and then help them develop in their in how they do it and their ability to present an argument or a thought or, or a concern.
0: That's so nice. That's great, and it really appears to me that you have a very forward-looking way of working.
1: I've tried to. You have to. Media, media <laughs> yeah. is is constantly changing, even if mm-hmm. it's a little bit slower in Luxembourg than internationally. Um, you certainly can't uh, you can't uh, sit too comfortably you have to always Mm -hmm. be be moving about and and seeing what's next
0: it's very nice and it actually brings me nicely to my next question because in past episodes we have explored the topic of core values and what are some of the core values that have kept uh, that you have kept close to heart in the course of your career and are there maybe some that you decided to let go of
1: Wow, um, core values. It's brutal, a good term. Brutal, brutal honesty, I think. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is probably brutal honesty and, and, and always relying on, on fact over, over fiction and understanding where my opinion ends and, and where actual facts begin. Mm. I think that's, uh, that is something that I believe strongly in, which is why you know, it, from from day one, when I write an opinion article, um, I will never even if in those you, you can assert something without necessarily uh, ensuring that it's 100% based in fact, because it's an opinion article, uh, I will always make sure that I say nothing that is uh, objectively untrue, if it relates to to the world outside of me. And I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably a core value. And, I, and I've, I've tried always to stick to that.
0: Well, wow, I love it. It sounds really amazing. My last question for you before maybe if you have a question for me mm-hmm. would be what opportunities do you see coming up especially in terms of innovation and the rapid ai revolution
1: oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i i also lead the ai work group at rtl um see, i so didn't even been... know that yeah <laughs> That's not <what> I'm <laughs> Uh, so it's something that I'm I'm fairly immersed in, and I'm personally very interested in it as well. I think it's a fascinating uh, technological realm that's that's now growing so rapidly. There's a there's a lot happening. Um, I think the, the one thing that we will see as uh, as this technology now continues to develop is that humans will be more important than ever in media, because it's. Doubtless that we will see a massive proliferation in, in the written word, in the spoken word, in video. It can do all of it, you know, and increasingly more convincingly as well. Um, so the amount of content out there across every single platform will, and already is, uh, just explode completely. There'll be There'll be too much of it. And then obviously we have wonderful AI algorithms to help serve us only that which is going to interest us and keep us staring at our little screens. But I, I I fundamentally believe that there's never been a more important time for human human voices, human journalists, human reporting uh, than than now. And I think that that is where the future lies, which is not to say that AI technologies won't also be very important. I think they, they can certainly help in terms of supporting uh, human output. But in, in news and in media in particular, uh, they're not going to replace it.
0: Well, what a great answer. I love it. <laughs> and what a refreshing perspective because more often than not, when I talk about it uh, or when I get talked at about it, it's about, oh, we're being replaced. Uh, all of our jobs are becoming obsolete. You know, we're like, that it's not a good thing, you know, that it's going to, that people are losing their place. Well, yeah. you say something completely different, which is very nice.
1: No, I think it's 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 uh, it's a liberator in a way. So we have a lot of tasks, whether that's uh, in in our online media or television and radio reporting. People have to do a lot of, of tasks that are repetitive and, and and time consuming and, you know, mentally draining because they're quite basic and and it's not where their time is best spent. So the way we're looking at uh, using AI, is to take those tasks away and make sure that people can instead focus on. Um, areas where they excel so whether that's actually more time out reporting or working on a story and getting the wording right uh, or or processing video and making it look better um, that's where where we need the humans and then the AI is there to do the 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 grudge work you know Mm -hmm. the the, the stuff that's not particularly motivating or interesting to anyone but to date we've had to do it yeah
0: exactly so what's next for you
1: I don't know um, time will tell there's there's a lot happening within RTL um, there's some new opportunities that, that are going to arise there soon I think but that's all I know so far um, we certainly have a lot of exciting plans for next year that I can't wait to to get involved in that will also include more human contact and being out and about in the field more so I, I look forward to a To working on that, but I'm sworn to secrecy, so I can't say more.
0: (laughs) Well, that's very nice because it means that we'll have to have you back on where you can tell us more about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, at some point next year I'll be at liberty to say, but right now I can't.
0: That's wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. And I thank you so much for your time and for your support more than anything else. This
1: was uh, this was great fun. I love talking about me. It's my favorite (laughs) subject.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week on Open Mic Live.